The following production is part of the We Be Geeks podcast collective. Greetings, my excellent friend. episode of the New England Society of Geeks podcast. I am your host, Derek, and this is going to be another edition of the... I still haven't found a good name for it. It's our metal well, show. <laughs> we're the metal. We're the geeks of metal. You like, you're okay with that? I can't think of anything better. So <laughs> All I- right, then. We're, this is going to be another edition of the Geeks of Metal, which means, of course, that I have my good friend Lee here to discuss some cool uh, metal stuff. And Hello. Well, oh, <laughs> I thought you said something in a minute. Um, oh, I just saying hello to the audience. Yeah, I got that in a minute. I thought, I thought you said, well. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, so, um, you actually have something really cool to talk about, so let's get into it. You have a book. Yes. I bought it used on Amazon. The uh, spine is messed up, but the spine on the one that I always thought Barnes & Noble was messed up, too. Yes. <laughs> okay. I have a book right here called um, The Encyclopedia of Heavy Metal uh, by uh, Daniel Bushpan. Hmm. Uh, Bushpan, I don't know. And um, <clears throat> this book was always, always at Barnes & Noble when I was growing up. And uh, coincidentally, so was I. Like, that's where <laughs> I went. Um like as like a as a teenager, basically, I would hang out at Barnes and Noble and drink coffee, and uh, look at the books. And um, I ended up reading a lot of books there and never buying them, <laughs> including not this entire encyclopedia, but a lot of it. Um, and uh, I think it was published like uh, it's something. I feel like when I was ordering it on Amazon, it was like oh, published by like Barnes and Noble or something like that. So maybe it was like specifically. Nobles, although this says the uh, the jacket says Sterling Publishing Company Incorporated, so who knows? Hmm. But um, yeah, it's a big old coffee table book, lots of pictures, um, and uh, there's also a section um, with a bunch of lists. Oh, uh, nice! Yeah, and it's lists like uh, the top ten goofiest slash most awesome songs, uh, <laughs> top ten best metal artists that are not metal artists, <laughs> top ten songs about depression. Oh wow! Uh, top ten most boring songs, and I thought we could have some fun looking at these and maybe reading some excerpts um, from the encyclopedia itself, which is like. It's not a serious encyclopedia. Like the guy is very um, uh, sarcastic um, in a lot of these, and it's just very entertaining. I like that. That's pretty cool. Yep. And um, okay, maybe. How should I set the stage? It's also got a forward by uh, Ronnie James Dio. Oh wow! Nice. Published maybe. 
maybe about 10 years before he died. Hmm. I believe it was published again in 2012, right after he died, and had like a foreword written by his wife. But anyway, I don't really, oh man, I don't quite know where to start here, so let's just start with some of these silly lists. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. <clears throat> okay, let's start with top 10 most boring songs. <laughs> uh, as a little has a little blurb that says a note to musicians both professional and amateur no matter how good you are unaccompanied solos are horrible <laughs> yes thank you well he's not wrong <laughs> i mean i think sometimes they can be good i don't know yeah so his number his number one pick for most boring songs is uh in a god of the vita by iron butterfly oh wow <laughs> Which I have, I have the album of the same name, you know, that that song is from. And again, like, yes, it has a two-minute drum solo that's admittedly not super impressive even. But, like, is it horrible? I don't think so. I no, think I don't think so either. Yeah. Then he's also got, this one I don't understand because I didn't think, number his number two choice is The Freight Ends of Sanity by Metallica. Really? Is there an, is there an unaccompanied solo in that song? Um, off. Not that I can remember offhand. I love that song. Well, for for a number of reasons, but I believe that's the one where at the beginning they play like the um oh the uh the that thing from the Wizard of Oz. Right. Yeah. <laughs> at the uh the guards at the witch's castle do oh we oh right yeah that I I really get a kick out of that but yeah, I don't I get. That. I don't get Daniel. that one at all, no. I'd like to ask Daniel Bushban a thing or two about what, what the beef he has with the freight ends of sanity. I don't know, you think he would have put like a little blurb about why, but the other yeah. the other one, Anagata Devita, I, I question whether it's boring or if it's just kind of overplayed a little. Anagata Devita, you think it's overplayed? Um, Maybe. Dep- I guess it depends on, on some radio stations, perhaps. I think they probably played it in full a lot more when you were a kid than when I was a kid. I didn't hear it probably, very often. Probably, yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, I found out about that song by watching, like, VH1. They had this <laughs> big three-hour special about one-hit wonders, and that song was on there. Oh, wow. And as soon as I heard that riff, that... Da, 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 uh, as soon as I heard that, I was like, I gotta hear that song. I, and I was Yeah, I like that song. Okay, but then he's, I think he's got a point with number three here. Number three is Moby Dick by Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Solo that kind of drags on. Yeah, okay. I can, yeah, I can see that one, sure. But like, number four, I think he is an even better argument for because, like, like how long is Moby Dick? Like six minutes or something? Something like that, yeah. Okay. The next one is The Mule by Deep Purple, which is. Like fifteen minutes, <laughs> like, from solo. Yeah, that I think that one I would put closer to number one as far as like boring heavy metal songs go. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then he's got "Warning" by Black Sabbath, and that one does have like too many unaccompanied guitar solos on it. I yeah, think so. Yeah, that song does <clears throat> part of the first Black Sabbath album. Um. And then it's something, then there's a couple songs that I don't know. There's Brainstorm by Monster Magnet from 1993. Hmm. You know that one? Uh, I don't know. Maybe if I heard it, I might know it, but I don't know it by name. Okay. 
Then there's The Prophet's Song by Queen. Don't know that one. No, me either. I'm not sure. There's November Rain by oh. Guns N' Roses. <laughs> yeah, okay. I can go with that one. Yeah. That song's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and then there's another one that I don't get. The Thing That Should Not Be by Metallica and um, huh. Hold Love by Led Zeppelin. Both of those are ridiculous choices because both of those songs are great. Which one was the Led Zeppelin one? Whole lot of love. Oh yeah, yeah. One. Oh, I yeah. love that song. That song gets so weird. Yeah, it does. Like, oh man. <sighs> I don't agree with those two at all. No, no. I mean, that's kind of what's fun about this book is that, like, <laughs> yeah, guy's not objective at all. Right. Inserts his opinions into everything. Um, here's something that uh, top ten greatest heavy metal guitarists. Ooh. Um. Okay, number one is Jimi Hendrix. Sure, sure. And I believe because he has um the uh the bit about Jimi Hendrix, you know, whatever the the, the entry for Jimi Hendrix in this book, he actually says at the outset that you know Jimi Hendrix is arguably you know not a heavy metal musician, but he put him in there a because probably just because everybody knows him, and and b because like he kind of he's like proto metal, you know? Right. A lot of metal bands wanted to be heavy because of guys like him. Yeah, he has a lot of influence on metal. Yeah, and um yeah, honestly like I know it's it's kind of like the most basic opinion to have, but yeah, I, I would say he's the best guitarist. Ever. I would say too. I've yeah, no one I want no one plays like him still. Yeah, I've often wondered what what uh what it would have been like if he had not passed away if he had lived longer, what he might have come out with. I think he would have done a lot of really cool stuff in the 70s. I think so, yeah. Would have gone into like jazz fusion. Oh yeah, uh, that would be interesting. Yeah, and he would have, like, I know he wanted to work with Miles Davis. That was, like, on his to-do list mm. when he died. Um, and that would have been incredible to hear. Yeah, it would. Uh, but uh, then, although I bet, just because this happened to so many other artists, I bet in the 1980s he would start making, like, commercial shit. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. You know what? <laughs> yeah. I was talking to my brother about this. Like, if you ruled in the 70s, you know, or the 60s, you were, like, basically socially obligated to suck in the 80s yeah <laughs> so many examples you know like uh, bob dylan all those oh so many uh, crosby stills nash and young right yeah oh, uh. yeah me started so like maybe hendrix would have sucked in the 80s i don't know you know we'll never know nope we'll never know uh, we can just number, imagine <laughs> number two is eddie van halen okay huh he's good i mean yeah 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 he's he's yeah, and he's like a trailblazer and stuff. Personally, I've never been huge on Van Halen. I went through a Van Van Halen phase, sure. <laughs> I really like their cover of um, Pretty Women. Oh, yeah. Yes, it's pretty good, yeah. Intro. Mm -hmm. It's a very intro where it's very like menacing guitar stuff that happens in that song. Yep. Um, before they go into Pretty Women and like... <laughs> the thing about Van Halen is like they're very... Um, like. Especially David Lee Roth, it's it's very um, like I, I almost want to say like campy. Yes, David Lee Roth is very eighties. Like yeah, that yeah. was definitely his time. But he's almost he's kind of like a like a he's kind of clownish too. Like yes. like in that like he he's like okay like all <laughs> and stuff. You know, he, little tiger roar thing, which I believe is in the original song too. Like I, don't, I can't do it. Yeah, but. I think that's part of why they they you know parted ways because Dave was just a little too goofy for them. I've seen some of his um 
some of the music videos from his solo career. Oh yeah. Those are amazingly goofy. Yep. Oh man. <laughs> Num- number number three is Richie Blackmore from Deep Purple. Oh nice. Yeah. Yeah, I hear a lot of good things from like guitarists about how good he is. Yeah. I think Deep Purple is is um they're a really great band and I don't think they get as sometimes they don't get as much credit as they should, but they they were a big influence too on uh on bands. I remember seeing them talk about again, like so much of my early heavy metal education was from watching VH one and VH one classic. Nice. And I- Interviewing, I want to say it was the wrestler Edge, actually. Oh wow, <laughs> maybe not. May it, it could have also been the dude. It was could have also been the guy from Skid Row. It was a dude with like long blonde hair. Yeah, well, actually, they were kind of interchangeable back then, but yeah. Heavy <laughs> metal owes its ass to Deep Purple. <laughs> uh, and then they showed some footage of uh, their their keyboardist or organist guy, John Lord. He's playing one of those big, huge electric organs, and it's like it looks like it's about to tip, like he's like leaning and stuff. Oh yeah, like, you know, like like a like a crazy rock star, you know. And it's like that thing's expensive. <laughs> like I hope he knows. Doing. Yeah, well, he might. <clears throat> you know, he might figure out. Hey, they'll just get the label, get me a new one. <laughs> That's because it looked like it was from like the height of their fame. Yeah, uh, it's funny because they're you know when when people mention. Deep Purple, of course, the first thing everybody thinks of is Smoke on the Water. Oh, yes, of And that, that's like, that. the joke is that that's the first guitar riff that every guitarist ever learns. <laughs> yeah, I think I learned it on bass pretty early on. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, I mentioned, I think, what was it, the first episode that I took a lot of bass lessons when I was a kid. Yes, you did, yep. I wasn't super good at it, but I did learn a bunch of, like, you know, your standard, like, you know, first bass lines, like... Um, Oh man, like smells like teen spirit and and um lithium. Well lithium was a little tricky actually. It was lith not not lithium. In bloom, like a you know, Nirvana songs and like right. uh <clears throat> um well point is probably deep purple as well. I don't want to get too off track here because we're talking about this list. Yes. Uh, number four is Vernon Reed from Living Color. Oh, I love him. He's incredible, yeah. Yes. I think the guitar solo from Cult of Personality is like one of like the greatest moments in the history of rock. Yeah, it was just amazing. That's one of my favorite songs like of all time. Me too. I love that song. Yeah, no, that's and it never ages. Nope. You know, they're always relevant. Yep. <sighs> um, my friend slash like the guy who taught me to play bass, he's also like a really good friend of mine now. He's a huge like Living Color and Vernon Reed fan, and he was telling me a story about like when he was uh, taking guitar lessons because he plays bass and guitar, but he was taking like jazz guitar lessons from like a really really uh-huh. talented jazz guitarist, and like this is like when he was a teenager, and he told him like yeah Vernon Vernon Reed is the best guitarist of all time, and uh, the teacher was like oh yeah I've heard of him he's not that good, <laughs> but guys like. From the school of jazz yeah, you know, he was like right art <clears throat> kind of guy so he didn't have a respect for like you know the the noisy shreddy thing that right that oh he was so good at that yeah um number five is brian may from queen sure sure he's good yeah awesome. yeah i mean i always thought queen was a little overrated yeah i do too i mean i mean it's, they're like the most one of the most popular bands of all time 
I know, and I like they have some good songs and everything, but overall, I was never a big Queen fan. Yeah, I feel I feel very similarly, and um, but like Brian May is a really good guitarist, and he's also really good for getting like really unique tones. Mm-hmm. And like like uh, it's something very distinct about um, like the way he like plays his solos and stuff, like yeah. the like. Like the sound of the guitar itself, it's like he has some method that is again hard. Well, uh, it could be because he's also an astrophysicist as well. Right? Yeah, he applied he applied astrophysics to his guitar playing. I don't know how, but <laughs> I mean, he could. He could. He's a he's a I'm smart sure, guy. Yeah, I'm sure he could. Um, okay, then number six is a guy that I like. I, I wouldn't have known his name. Like I know this band, but I wouldn't have known this guy's name. Dennis Damore from Voivod. Oh, okay. Oh, wow, interesting. Oh, you like what? I do, but I haven't. I haven't heard them in a very long time. Now that I think about it, I would. I would say they're they're worth hearing again. Um, I have like three of their albums, but I've only really listened to two of them: Nothing Face and Dimension Hatros or Hatros. Mm. Uh, yeah, they're pretty good, and I guess I don't know if this guy's like the rhythm guitarist or the lead guitarist or what, but like, um, I'm not sure either. They do a lot of like, uh, uh, like kind of like dissonant experimental stuff. I remember, mm, wow. like a lot of crazy. I... Like, the riffs are in like all kinds of weird time signatures. Yeah, that's probably also part of why he's here. Just the ability to like take all those hairpin turns. I gotta go back and listen to them. I haven't listened to them in ages. <laughs> Yeah, they're good. They're like a progressive thrash metal band. Yeah. Uh, number seven, Ty Tabor from King's X. Oh, interesting. That's actually, this guy is actually, that's another guy that my bass teacher, Ron, really, really admires. Oh, so, really? like, hmm. maybe he ghost wrote this book when he was a child. <laughs> uh, this is actually interesting because it's not going at all in the directions I expected it to. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, number eight is. Uli, Ali, Uli John Roth from the Scorpions. Huh, interesting. See, I would never I have thought that, but yeah. I haven't heard enough Scorpions to like know if I agree with that. Yeah. Um, number nine is Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath. Of course. I mean, if you're talking about heavy metal guitarists, it's like, well, he's probably he's probably the best by default, you know? Yeah, right, right. And then number 10 is Angus Young. Huh. A lot of these, I would say, are like arguably classifiable as like hard rock rather than yeah, heavy true yeah Interesting. but i think book takes like i think this guy he's into a lot of like the 70s metal you know mm. like proto bands like like the scorpions in the 70s like before whatever <laughs> yeah before the 80s they hit the 80s yeah <laughs> that's okay so that's that's the greatest heavy metal guitarist list interesting not just not just because of what he put in there, but because of the some of the guitarists he left out. That is a very interesting list. Who did he leave out? Would you say? Um, I would have put Randy Rhodes in there mm. at some point. Um, um, I can't think of anybody else at the moment, but yeah, Randy Rhodes at least, and maybe some other people. Especially above Angus Young. Like, I like, don't get me wrong, I love Angus Young, but I think there's, especially for metal guitarists, I think there are some other choices that could have been yeah, made. But I agree. Um, let's see. Okay, here's one that could be fun. 
Top 10 bands with the most rabid fan bases. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, and here we go. If you value your life, you are here advised to keep your mouth shut when in the presence of anybody wearing a T-shirt bearing the name of the bands on this list. Mm. In, the, in the case of Rush, for example, uh-huh. you know that not only are you putting yourself in physical danger by disparaging them, but their fans make it <laughs> their personal mission to turn Rush dislikers into Rush fans. So <laughs> want an army of Hessians stalking you at all hours, dummy up. Okay, number one most rabid fan base is, is Manowar. Oh, yeah, I could see that. I've never actually listened to them. I just, I've read, like, the little, you know, again, the, the blurb that they have in this book about, which I seem to remember is pretty entertaining. Um, Manowar, I like them, but they're, they're, um... I have to be in the mood to listen to them. Um, they're very, um, uh, how would I describe them? Like, they're very, um, um, like fantasy metal, kind of. Like, uh, I would call it like, like, it, like power metal, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's something in here in this encyclopedia where they say, like, they use like a, a 100 person choir for one of their recordings. Mm hmm. And I think there's also stuff in here about how, for a while anyway, they had like the uh, the record for like loudest live show. I heard about that. Yeah. Here we go. 129.5 decibels, <laughs> roughly the same volume as a jet engine. Um, I don't actually know too much about like the rabidity of um, Man of War fans because I feel like I've never really met one. Yeah, me either. Not really. Like not like a real fan, but yeah. I know how and, the band is, so I can imagine, but... Well, they're also the guys, like, they had a huge... Like, their their, their slogan was, Death to False Metal. Yes. <laughs> Remember that? Yep. And that was on all their t-shirts and stuff. Which is, I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty militant stance to take. So yeah, I would imagine... that's for sure. I would imagine fans of the kind of band that would, like, use that as their catchphrase would be, like, pretty fanatical. They... Um, they had an album that came out years ago that me and my friends used to listen to a lot. Um, and it was, let me see if I can find the name of it. It was all, the first half of the album was all about, um, the Odyssey. Oh yeah, like Greek. Greek. Yep. And, um, in that there is a drum solo that's like a good, almost 10 minutes Oh God! Yeah, so that reminds me of the other the other thing you the other list you just covered about <laughs> solos and stuff. I need solos. Yeah, it's just drums, and it's like it's like almost ten minutes. If maybe maybe not quite that, but it's it's super long. But anyway, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know who I don't know who enjoys those. You know, um, I do sometimes if it's a good one, but not ten. No, not that long. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When I was in high school, I used to want to be a drummer, but it never panned out. Being a drummer is like, it's more commitment than being a guitarist or a bass player. Yeah. You know, you have to be committed to have like a drum set in your house that mm-hmm. makes it a little more expensive too. Yeah. Yeah. And like probably harder to maintain all the different parts. Yeah. Yeah. I don't envy drummers, um, but they're very important. You know, I, I, oh, yeah. I salute yeah. without a doubt. The drummer's number two most rabid fan base is, is Rush. <laughs> and um, 
I'm actually genuinely surprised that they're not one. They're not number one, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe this guy had like a lot of personal experiences with Man of War fans. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Rush, yeah, they're like the ultimate, like uh, whatever cult band, you know? Yes, yeah. Um, although I've also I've seen a lot of people argue about like whether they're metal or not. Yeah, um, yeah, I can totally see that. I remember someone, um, what was his name? This guy I used to be friends with on Facebook. He was all, and he was like a huge Rush fan, but he was making fun of some publication for um, calling 2112 a metal album Hmm. or for calling Rush metal or something like that. And I thought, well, you know, in the 70s, right? Yeah. Heavy album, I'd say. So, like, yeah, I'd consider them like, you know, like whatever. Yeah, that's true. First wave heavy metal band. Now, I'm, uh, I like Rush a lot. Um, I've seen them live. They're great, but I've never been one of those, uh, one of those crazy fans that's got to convert people to listen to Russians. I'm like, if you don't like Rush, you don't like Rush, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's great that they love it so much, but like Rush is like, you know, if you don't like them, you don't like them. Like, I remember hearing people say like, oh, well, you know, you either love them or hate them. <laughs> uh, cause it's really, you know, they're, they're kind of like, um, it's a little like what I've heard, uh, like some of my friends say about like the smashing pumpkins where like they can't get past the lead singer. Oh yeah. Cause you know, Getty Lee has such a strange voice. That's true. There was a, there was a time when in my youth, when I was never sure if the lead singer of rush was a man or a woman. <laughs> I had, when I first heard Tom Sawyer on the radio, I wasn't sure either. Um, and I remember thinking, well, maybe cause it sounds Maybe it's like a little man singing, like a leprechaun. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, number number three most rabid fan base is is Slayer. Oh yeah, yeah. Slayer Slayer fans are scary. Yeah, they are. Slayer is scary. Like I love Slayer's music, but like the lyrics are, I gotta say, a little scary sometimes. <laughs> That's the whole point. But yeah, I love yeah. Slayer. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, number four, Iron Maiden. Ooh, yes. I've been getting to them a little more recently. They're really good. Yeah, I really like Iron Maiden. It took me a while to get into them um, years ago, but when I finally did, I really got into them. Oh, the one song they do that I've always been absolutely sold on is is like the number of the beast, like just yes. that song. That is an amazing song. That's an, well, it's, it's up there with Cult of Personality, I'd say, was just one of the best metal songs of all time. I would agree with that. One of the most like emotional performances of all time I've heard from a singer. I'd say, mm-hmm. you really get swept up in that song. It's so yeah, good. It's a it's an amazing song. Number five is Dio fans. <laughs> I don't know about that one. I don't. Yeah, I I never really I never knew anybody that was that into Dio. Yeah, especially Dio, like just the band and not Dio and Black Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, he had some good songs and stuff, and I really, you know, that I really liked. But I was never like, I was never a huge Dio fan. Yeah, interesting. Uh, so Dio, interestingly, he's he's number one on the top ten greatest singers list that he's got over here. No kidding. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, and he wrote the foreword for this book. So obviously, Daniel Daniel Bushpan is a big fan. Right. Uh, number six most rabid fan base is uh, Emperor. Hmm. I'm not. Who I guess. Real think, familiar with Emperor, but I mean, I know them, but I haven't listened to a lot of them. 
I listened to one of their albums a long time ago when I was like, I was really curious about like, you know, finding all the different metal genres and, um, or wait, am I thinking of Emperor? Emperor, they're like a black metal band, right? Uh, yes, I believe so. I think I'm getting them mixed up with uh, Immortal right now. Because mm. um, I listened to them and I remember um, like not loving it and uh, like thinking the production was kind of bad and weird. Mm. Like I've never been, um, like some of the darker metals I didn't get into as much, like death metal and black metal and stuff like that, but some of it, some of it I like, but um, yeah, yeah, I, I listened to some of like the big black metal albums, just yeah, mostly out of curiosity, and yeah, yeah, I've never been a big fan of like um how the vocals mix with the music. Yeah, yeah. seemed like the vocals and the music were like I don't know, like there was so it just didn't they didn't sound like they belonged together. I don't yes. know, and I think it's been par- partially like the way the album was mixed. Um, but I don't know. Anyway, number seven, King Diamond. Oh, yeah. I've known a couple of King Diamond fans. They can be a little intense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not too familiar with like his music. I remember I, I did illegally download, um, what the hell is it called? Like, was it Don't Break the Oath or something like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That yeah. King, was that, that may have been Merciful Fate. See, I don't even know. Oh, yeah. I don't remember now. Oh yeah, I mean King Diamond's another one. Like I'm not a huge fan, but you know sometimes uh, you know some decent songs there. Yeah, uh, number eight, Carnivore. Hmm, interesting. I did not. I would never thought that. I had a Carnivore phase when I was like maybe 22, 21. Did you? <laughs> but like I didn't buy any of their their, their albums because they like I seem to remember they weren't super. They were like kind of out of print or something. So I listened to them on YouTube a lot, and only like a handful of songs, mm. <sighs> like Jesus Hitler and Race War. <laughs> you gotta love a song called Jesus Hitler. <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing song too. Uh, and then tra- uh, number nine, King's X again. Oh yeah, yeah. That's another band I never really got into as much, but I do know that they have some intense fans as well i think king's x are very uh underrated actually mm. and a lot of people agree yeah i could see that um and then number 10 is a band i have never listened to these guys i don't know anything about them iced earth yeah i don't i don't really um i wanna i wanna say that i hadn't really heard about them or i don't didn't really know too much about them until I think if I'm, th- I hope I'm thinking of the right band here. But their guitarist was involved in the January sixth fiasco there. So, oh, he was he was like there, wasn't he? Like, yeah, he was, he was like- there. Yeah, so that got a lot of that got a lot of news, and I think they kicked him out of the band for that too. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Um, but like, I don't even, that. what what <laughs> era are they from? Are they like how old? Are they like two thousands, nineties? Like, I don't even know. I'm I'm not sure. To be honest with you, I mean this book is from like 2003, so I don't know. Um, <clears throat> uh, here's one: top ten most goofy slash awesome, top ten goofiest most awesome songs. Oh, goofy- this should be fun. Flash <laughs> most awesome songs. Um, okay, so when it says in heavy metal parlance, goofy and awesome often relay the same sentiment. <laughs> 
And then he says he's really he really he likes to pick on Manowar. He says Manowar were ineligible for inclusion in this list as the band's entire catalog does not qualify for individual ranking. <laughs> no, no, no Manowar in this list. Number one is Cygnus X One by Rush. Hmm. I, I love that song. Yeah, and I think that song might be like like towards the end. It's like the highest that. Getty Lee has ever gone vocal wise. He gets so shrill at the end of that song. Yeah. I wonder like if... he goes high and then he goes like for a few seconds, he's like super high. I wonder if that might be why it's in on the goofy list. <laughs> yeah, I mean there's also that song has like a um like a spoken intro. Oh yeah, right. And that's 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 I mean that that's kind of cheesy, I guess. But like yeah. again, cheesy in an awesome way. It's kind of like that song kind of reminds me of like like a musical version of an episode of The Twilight Zone or something or some old old. Show. I like that. Yeah, um, and then we got we got Altar of Sacrifice by Slayer from Rain and Blood. Oh. I don't know that one. I've listened to that album before, but I guess it was a long time ago because I, I don't remember that song. That is a great album. Yeah, especially the song Rain and Blood. That song's amazing. That is a really good song. I have not listened to it in years. I guess I I should go back to to Slayer for a bit because I do I do like their music a lot. It's like all the like tortury, killy, deathy stuff is just a bit. <laughs> yeah, it can be, but Rain... like like Big Rain and Blood is like the ultimate example. Like how that the first song on that album is is like like a really like detailed, gruesome description of. Of Nazi war crimes. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, Angel of Death. And um, yeah, and the tone, you know, it doesn't lighten from there. No. Uh, that's a band with a really good drummer, though. I love that guy. Yeah, Dave. Dave Lombardo, yes. Yeah. He's awesome. And then there's, okay, Flash's theme by Queen from the album Flash Gordon. <laughs> yes. You know, did you know that Queen made an album about Flash Gordon? I did not. I did. Have you never seen the Flash Gordon movie? No, I have not. Oh, man. You want to talk about goofy and cheesy and, and awesome all at the same time? That's a good did one. Or something? Huh? Did they do the soundtrack? They did, yes. Oh, man. That's 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 pretty cool. Oh, and if you've never heard that that song, the Flash theme, so you have to listen to it. It's okay. amazing. <laughs> It'll make you laugh, guaranteed, but it's amazing. Okay. I'm excited for that. Um, and then there's Kill the King by Rainbow, um, which I know that's a famous song, but I've never listened to it. Have you? I'd have to hear it. I'm not sure. I don't uh, remember the title. I've heard a lot of good things about Rainbow. Yeah, um, they're an interesting one. Um, although, like we were, like I was saying before, I've never been like, I've never loved Ronnie James Dio's voice, mm. but like, like I've just heard a lot of really good things about like the musicianship of those like seventies Rainbow albums, right? Uh, because of you know Richie Blackmore and his compositional skills. Mm -hmm. It's funny too because if you're thinking of heavy metal bands, like the first name to pop in your head wouldn't be Rainbow. <laughs> no, certainly not. Certainly not. <laughs> um, there's a couple bands that are like that. Yeah. <sighs> Number five is Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner by Iron Maiden. I love that song. <laughs> that I still have to list. That's from Power Slave, I guess. Yeah. And I have not listened to Power Slave. That's, that's I got a, a good album. So far with Iron Maiden, I've really only listened to Number of the Beast 
the album. Mm-hmm. Seventh Son of the Seventh Son. Oh, yes. Which I thought was really good. Mm-hmm. Really good prog metal album. Mm-hmm. And then there's Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could see that going, some people finding that one a little goofy. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot goofy there, though. Yeah, it's a great song, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. It's the best song on Led Zeppelin 3, I would say, because like a lot of Led Zeppelin 3 is a little bit, um, it's very uh, like folky, you mm. know, it's like it's maybe like their least heavy album, and that's like a really heavy song right. that they choose them with. Um, then we got Jawbreaker by Judas Priest. Oh, <laughs> Judas Priest is another band that I've kind of list, um, gotten into a little more lately. Um I was never a big Jewish priest fan, but they are a pretty decent band. They have some good stuff. Um, I have a cousin, like a first cousin, uh, named Scott. And when we were growing up, Judas Priest was his favorite band. Oh, nice. And brother, my other cousin, was also a big fan of Judas Priest. So that's where I first heard Judas Priest. Um, besides just maybe hearing Breaking the Law on the radio or something about oh, yeah. that. I would say my true introduction to Judas Priest was like this... this weird like music video thing that my cousin made <laughs> as an eric scott's older brother because yeah they were they were both really into judas priest and like what this what this kid had done was he'd taken a bunch of clicks clips from the movie uh i think it's star chaser mm. uh you the animated movie that's kind of like a star wars ripoff yep he took clips from that and i think also clips from transformers like the <laughs> transformers cartoon Possibly like, you know, the, the, the movie where Optimus dies. Right. He took some clips from those shows and like set them to music. And one of the songs he chose was uh, uh, Painkiller by Judas Priest. Oh. <laughs> and I was blown away by that song. Yeah, that's a good song. Yeah. Um, like the guitar solos in that song are some yes. of the best. So yeah. I was really, really blown away by how like dramatic and intense that music gets it's that's that's their best song i'd say yeah i would agree with that judas priest is an interesting band because they kind of ride the line between like really awesome and kind of goofy but they write it really well yeah um i like the song metal gods a lot Mm -hmm. and that one it's it's got that kind of marching thing going on oh yeah yeah yeah, and that's I think that's from British Steel, um, which is yeah, like it's kind of it's kind of goofy, but there's goofier. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> number eight is uh, is the song "Male Supremacy" by Carnivore. I'm not familiar with that one. I've listened to that one once on YouTube, and it's like um, <laughs> it's 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 kind of got like Conan of Arb barbarian vibes it's like it's (laughs) yeah it's this whole like macho fantasy this guy is having about like i know one of the lines is women will never understand the (laughs) killing with your hands (laughs) and forest is ridiculous it's like the most yeah the most like king kong macho thing ever male supremacy male supremacy (laughs) yeah that's a little goofy this like slow, like sentimental part where he's like talking about like, oh. love to his lady in his tent or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. 
like seven minutes long too. It's it's like it's 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 a it's a major piece of work. Wow. Um, and there's Metal Militia by Metallica. Oh, I love that song too. That song's not that cheesy. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. And then there's a uh, Shout at the Devil by Motley Crue. Oh yeah. <laughs> if i would know that one if i heard it like i know that's one of their most famous songs but yeah you you might you might recognize it if you heard it mostly motley crew i know well girls 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 is the one oh so now that would be a cheat that would be a goofy song there yeah yeah that maybe they should have put that one in there yeah i think that's well there's also i know i've heard um their song mr dr feel good oh yeah yeah and I only know that one because it was used like as an example um, of like uh, like uh, something that the guy who had produced Metallica's Black album had worked on. Oh, okay. And I was watching like a show about Metallica, right? But they were talking about the Black album, and they were saying how like hearing that Doctor Feelgood or Mister Feelgood song. I guess it's Doctor Feelgood. It is. Yeah, it's Doctor Feelgood. Yeah. Not a drug dealer, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like, they heard that song, and they, they really... I don't think they liked Motley Crue, but, like, they liked the sound that that producer had gotten, so they hired him. Hmm. So that's the goofiest and most awesome songs. Nice. Good stuff. <laughs> Let's see. <sighs> it's got... Uh, let's see. There's a list of the best-selling metal albums. Oh, interesting. So we're talking about commercial success now. Right. Uh, and this is all numbers as of like like the early two thousands. Mm. This probably isn't accurate anymore. I'd say it might not be. But uh, number one is Led Zeppelin four with twenty two million copies. Yeah, that does not surprise me. Yeah, I bought that one when I was like I think thirteen. That was the first Led Zeppelin album I got because mm. it was like okay, well that's the one with Stairway to Heaven, so I'm gonna get that <laughs> one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Logic. Um. I really love the cover of Led Zeppelin Four. Yeah, it's got a good cover. It's so like not obvious. Yeah, Do you know what? Led Zeppelin, you know, the most popular hard rock heavy metal band in the world at the time, right? Um, you know, you'd think they'd you know use like you know maybe a picture of themselves or a picture of whatever <laughs> right. ring wraiths or something, but no, they chose this this hermit guy. <laughs> and he's like in a picture on a wall, I guess, of like a dilapidated building. It's like. It really kind of like gets your imagination going. Like, what's this guy yes. about? What does he do with Led Zeppelin? Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know. In contrast, though, we have number two best-selling album of all time has like a pretty pretty boring cover. Is uh, "Back in Black" by ACDC. Oh yes. Uh, I think I borrowed that album from a friend of mine and then ripped it onto my computer, and that's how I have that one. I'd say that album's kind of hit or miss. Quality wise, yeah. Like I'd say, yeah. my, the hits are pretty good. Um, I really like um, Hell's Bells. Mm-hmm. Of that main riff, that's become um, along with Led Zeppelin Four. That's become like one of the most overplayed albums as well. Yeah, like on the radio, yeah. certainly. Especially like you shook me all night long. Oh yeah, yeah. And of course, Back in Black. I still, I'm always. I'm always down for Back in Black, though. If like you know the song yeah. Back in Black, it's a that song, great song. song yeah, a good mood. Yeah, uh, but then there's one I they don't play it on the radio very often. At least I haven't heard it. Like the I think it's the last song on that album, um, "Rock and Roll Ain't Noise Pollution." Oh yeah, love that song. That's, That's a great really, one. Yeah, 
But there's also some songs on that album that are just, I think they're just kind of like pedestrian, like hard rock songs. Yeah. Um, like Giving the Dog a Bone. Oh, yeah. It's another goofy one. They have, yeah. And also there's a lot of like really like ridiculous, like sexual references in that album. <laughs> so like silly. Um, that's, uh, that's ACDC for you. Let me, what is it? Like, let me take a slice of your love cake. Yes. Or yes. <laughs> Oh man. Um number three best selling metal album of all time is Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. Yep. Uh with fifteen million copies as of whatever, two thousand three. Um I've also heard that that's like the best selling debut album of all time. That makes sense. Yeah. Or anyway. That was I, a great you know, album. For a lot of people, that's like their only album, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, like they never um they never quite lived up to those expectations. Although, I mean, I say that, but, you know, people still love them. You know, it's Guns N' Roses. Yeah, but they really haven't. Like, Appetite was such an amazing album. And then after, you know, it just, they just fell apart. And it just, it's, it's unfortunate. But what do you think of the Use Your Illusion albums? There, I think there are some decent songs on there, those. Um, but I think it was a bit of, a bit of, um... A bit much, you know, you're like it's just a bit much. <laughs> Bloated and lots of lots of covers, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah. And I believe didn't yeah, they got they got sued by Sharon Tate's daughter for covering a Charles Manson song. Mm. That's on one of those albums, right? Look at your game girl. I believe so, yeah. If oh, I remember four. correctly. Uh they did have um one song that I did I always loved was the You Could Be Mine, which was also in the Terminator Two soundtrack. I don't think I know that one. Um, you might if you heard it. Yeah, possibly. Um, so how how much did you care, or like how disappointed were you um, when Chinese Democracy finally came out? I had kind of given up on Guns N' Roses by then, so I I barely I don't even know if I've listened to the whole album to be honest with you. I haven't. Um, I read a review for it saying that like it's it has a lot of ballads. Yeah. Just like it's not that I don't like ballads. Some of my favorite songs of all time are sure. ballads. I am much harder to please when it comes to ballads right. than when it's like like heavy rock songs, you right. know? Yeah. Like if it's if I it has to be really good, you know? Mm -hmm. And I also just it's for a heavy metal album to have like whatever, like more than like two ballads, I feel is kind of pushing it, you know. Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. I heard that there's like and like like piano ballads too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's that's Guns and Roses for you. Um, number four is Physical Graffiti by Led Zeppelin, also fifteen oh. million. Yeah, um, that might be my favorite by them, actually. At least if you were to just go by the like first path. Yeah, that's, there's some good songs on that one. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I like that one. It's probably just more or less to me on equal footing with Led Zeppelin Four. Um, number five is uh, <laughs> is "Slippery When Wet" by Bon Jovi. <laughs> bon Jovi aren't heavy metal, are they? Technically, they are considered. They're lumped in with the glam metal stuff. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, which is what they were back in the eighties. Right um, nowadays, they're definitely not. What are they doing nowadays? Are they still releasing music? I think so. I think they they've released some stuff in the last few years, but it's all you know, like 
like contemporary rock kind of ballads. <laughs> it's a lot of ballads. <laughs> I not obvious. I have never liked Bon Jovi. I have always thought they were tremendously overrated. Yeah. Um they were anybody who me like, oh Springsteen or Bon Jovi. I'm always gonna say Springsteen, even though I'm not like a huge Springsteen fan or anything. I don't know if I could say that. Um but yeah. Like there there was a couple of songs I liked by them, but Bon Jovi is was always one of those um back then what we would call a chick band, which is, you know, <laughs> mostly uh uh, I know it's not not PC to say these days, but they they were lo- mostly their fan base was mostly women, right? Yeah, and, and guys trying to be with those women, right? Yeah, they say that about. Actually, speaking of that, the next the next number six is uh, is, is Hysteria by Def Leppard. Oh yeah, <laughs> both of those bands, the singers from both of those bands, to me sound like almost exactly the same. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, and a lot of singers from like the. The next like ten or fifteen years after whatever, yeah, eighty seven, have what I call a case of the Bon Jovi voice. <laughs> but with- it, like a lot of like bands from like whatever, like the the post grunge era, especially like oh, uh, yeah. uh, Collective Soul has terminal yeah. Bon voice. Yeah, yeah, um, is Bon Jovi voice? Candlebox has Bon Jovi voice. Yeah, yeah. I am sick of Bon Jovi voice. <laughs> uh, more Led Zeppelin at number seven. Oh, Led wow. Zeppelin, 12 million copies sold. Hmm. I like that one because that's the one with um whole lot of love. Oh, yeah. That's also got Thank You, which, speaking of ballads, that's a really good ballad. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Beautiful song. But then again, Led Zeppelin 2 also has Moby Dick on it. <laughs> not one that I skipped that one, you know? Just, well, they can't all be winners, right? <laughs> I think there's a live version of Moby Dick that's like more like the mule in the sense that the drum solo goes for like over 10 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, number eight is the Black Album by Metallica, also yeah. 12 copies sold. Yeah. I feel like that one has sold a lot more in the in the last 20 years. I feel like that one's higher up on the list these days. I think so, too. I think they might have had a resurgence with, you know, and, and that album might have been more popular. Um a lot of the younger fans, I guess you could say, they they like you know from Black Album up, and it's like you know whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think um, just because that that album like it broke them in the mainstream, they got so many like yeah like a whole new a new generation of fans. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, latched onto them after that album came out, and so you're not like a huge fan of the Black Album, right? That's when they started to go downhill for you. Yes, that's when I, I like. Uh, I like the Black Album. There's a lot of good songs on there. There's a couple of eh, not great ones, but overall, I like it. But the 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 thing for me is, um, like the Black Album would be a good album if it didn't come out right after Injustice for All. Oh, okay. Because if you go you go from Injustice for All, which was just like this power metal amazing album, and then you put out the Black Album, and it's like okay. That's good, but it's not, you know, not as good as the last few albums you put out. Master of Puppets, you know, Ride of the Lightning. So. Yeah, I would still certainly say that that stuff is superior to the Black Album, but I still do like the Black Album a lot. And it does actually have some of my, like, favorite um, Metallica songs, even though overall, like, it's not one of my favorites. Like, it has um, The Unforgiven. Yes, which yeah. 
again, like there's it's 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 well it's it's like a power ballad kind mm-hmm. of. I love that song and like I love the lyrics to that song because I have known, especially when I was growing up, so many so many kids with like uh like uh, uh controlling domineering parents. Oh yeah. You know, trying to like, you know, but whatever control them like a god you know and mold them into the exact kind of person that they want their kid to be you know right i feel like that's what that song is all about like kids with like again strict domineering parents uh, um because my parents were like you know they weren't like they were kind of strict about some things but they were mostly good about you know letting me be who i wanted to be yeah but um it really like i would hear about you know kids would tell me stories about you know their parents like whatever, like grounding them for getting a freaking B and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I I would get mad on their behalf. Like I would want to like confront these parents, like stop putting all this. What are you doing? Yeah. Oh man. Um, More leads up when at number nine uh, (laughs) houses of the Holy. Oh yeah. All the big, whatever, all the leads up, all the big leads up on albums around here. Just as a spoiler, number 12 is leads up in one. So there's more leads up and to come. Of course. Uh, okay, number two again. This is these. This is not a heavy metal album. It's also not an album. It's a compilation. But at number ten, we have Greatest Hits by Aerosmith. Yeah, I would definitely. I've yeah, I would. I've never considered Aerosmith to be a metal band. Aerosmith are like the poster child for like the hard rock label. I would say. Yes, you know. Yes, I would too. Like quintessential, not heavy metal, but hard rock band. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, they're another band I've always thought was pretty overrated, kind of like Bon Jovi, but they do have some songs that I enjoy. Yeah, th- I feel the same way. There's uh, some good stuff, but there's also, you know. One time I saw, you know how they, they got all those like satirical news sites now? Mm-hmm. It was um, an article, I believe it was from thehardtimes.com, <laughs> which specializes in like satirical articles about music. And um, one of them was. Aerosmith um, have now been inducted into the middle of the road bullshit Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, because of like, like I feel like uh, starting in their like whatever their resurgence of popularity in the eighties, they yeah. started getting really like middle of the road. You know, yeah, I agree. Yeah, although even though okay, so the song Janie's got a gun, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things about that song that I don't like. I don't like, you know, the the production and it's it's just all that. But like, oh, there's something I like about it too. There's something very intriguing about that song. Yeah, um, I think the story of the song is interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like um, like a lot of thought was put into it. I don't know, like it, yeah, it was it was more like artful than I'd say. Like, um, what was that one that was on the Armageddon soundtrack? I don't want to miss a thing. Oh yeah. That's one of the most boring. You want to talk about boring songs, oh, I right? Know, right. That's one of the most boring songs of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, number eleven, Kid Rock, "Devil Without a Cause," <laughs> ten million copies. Wow. I'd... I bet he. I bet he misses those days. I know, right? I don't even. He, would you consider it, Kid Rock to be metal? I don't know if I would. He's like maybe, possibly, like like rap metal, like yeah. Limp Bizkit. At least he was in whatever this is, 1998. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I hate that guy. Yeah, me too. I hate Kid Rock. I've never never been a fan of his. 
He was, I think I was in like elementary school when he was popular. So he was like, like little boys liked his music, you know, like, like <laughs> yeah, boys. He was like, that was like, it's like a, like a 10 year old boy's idea of like, what a, like what a cool rock and roll heavy metal guy is, mm. you know? Um, and also it was like, you know, it was like, it was, he was a piss your parents off kind of guy, yes. you know? Yep. Ever Marilyn Manson or Eminem or a lot of those artists from that era. Right. Um, the late nineties, it seems is when like a lot of like, like shock, shock culture really took off. I feel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, and he was definitely part of that. Like he was a big part of that. Him and like again, like the guys in Limp Biscuit mm-hmm. and whatever, Jerry Springer, WWE, all that yeah. stuff. <laughs> um okay, and number twelve, like I was saying, is just the first Led Zeppelin album with ten million copies sold. Um thirteen and fourteen, both with ten million copies are um nineteen eighty four by Van Halen and um Van Halen self titled album. Oh, nice. So, yeah, there's Van Halen for you. I listened to the 1984 album quite a while ago. Um, it is cheesy, but it's it's a lot of fun. It's yeah. Just, it's I, just a fun album. I was kind of conflicted about it because, like, yeah, it's very cheesy, but, like, it's also, like, it's it's pretty good songwriting. Yeah, yeah. You know, books and, like, what's-his-face there? Van Halen is, yeah, truly, like, a truly, like, trailblazing guitarist, right. you know, so... There's a lot of like stuff I like there, and a lot of stuff that I I don't really like there. But and I'll, I should go back to it one of these days. And then number fifteen is Pyromania by Def Leppard. Oh wow! <laughs> so that's another Def Leppard album there. Crazy. <laughs> Nine million copies. <sighs> nice. That was some interesting stuff. Yeah. Um. There's some more of these here. Um, how about top ten songs about depression? Yeah, let's see what they what they got for that one. Okay. Um, although some of these some of these I don't know. Um, like number one, I, this is from a Black Sabbath album that I'm not too familiar. Number one is uh, "Over and Over" by Black Sabbath. Do you know that one? Mm, no. It's from Mob Rules. It says. Hmm. I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, neither am I. Um, then number two is Solitude by Candlemass. Uh, I'm not really familiar with that song either. I no, know, I've never... I know Candlemass, but... I don't really I don't really like Candlemass that much. I think... Yeah, um, me either. There's a lot There's a lot better doom metal albums out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's from an album called Epicus Doomicus Metallicus. <laughs> number three is, is Nutshell by Alice in Chains. Oh, good song. Yeah, that's a really sad song, definitely. Um, I think a lot of Alice in Chains songs could qualify for this list. Oh, definitely, yeah. Certainly nominate Down in a Hole. Yeah. And um, the title track from Dirt. Mm -hmm. Number number four, Paranoid by Black Sabbath. I would agree with that. That's an amazing song about depression. Yeah. Apparently, um, Geezer Butler called it Paranoid. Because he did not know the word for depression. Really? Interesting. Well, this is back in, like, whatever, 1970. Mm. Or, like, whatever, the, 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 the mental health jargon was not as common. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, he was feeling depressed, but he called it paranoid. 
Although I'm sure, like, with all the, like, you know, drugs you did, he probably got pretty paranoid sometimes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he probably did. <laughs> and then there's, okay, this is, um, okay, number five is a song called No One Wants You When You're Down by Slow Horse. I definitely have not heard that one. Okay, and there's a reason for that, um, being that Slow Horse is uh, Daniel Bushpan's band. Ah. <laughs> he put his own band into this book. That's kind of cheating a little, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it is, but I listened to some of their stuff on YouTube, and it is pretty good, and definitely oh, yeah? pretty... Oh, I'll have to check them out. Yeah. Um, six, uh, Fade to Black yes. by Metallica. I love yeah, Fade to Black. No doubt about that. Yeah, I love that one, too. That is one of my all-time favorite songs. Yeah, it's 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 up there. Probably one of the best songs on um, Ride the Lightning, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And it's also like, it shows that Metallica, even in the 80s, were not, they were not simply like a thrash metal band, you know? Right, yeah. They, they slowed down quite a bit for some songs. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, there's so much to love about that song, and it's just like the melody, I think, is just so like yeah. rich and grand and you know, melancholy and epic and all that stuff. It's, it's perfect. And then when it kicks in, it's just like amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Then it becomes, yeah, like a doom metal song basically. Yeah. Um, then we got, uh, Banstead by Atomic Rooster. I'm not familiar with that one either. Atomic Rooster are like old, old, like very earliest, like wave of heavy metal bands. Old. Yeah. Like, contemporaries of black sabbath and i only know this because i read about them in this book huh. um yeah and the keyboardist slash um uh i guess not singer but the guy who did all the writing for this this band he ended up like oh man in the 80s after atomic rooster was no more he got hired as like a touring keyboardist for one of those like one hit wonder new wave bands from the 80s. Oh, okay. Um, maybe Mexican, they uh, not Mexican. The, the, the song is Mexican radio, but the band is uh, Wall of Voodoo. Oh, right, yeah. And then them, but it also could have been like, oh man, like the Vapors, <laughs> you know, Japanese. It was one of Thomas Dolby, one of those like kind of quirky, like 80s new wave bands, right. It was their touring keyboardist. Huh, interesting. And before the 80s were over, I think, though, he, he had killed himself. Oh, a little tragic there, but... <laughs> yeah, very tragic. Um, but, uh, and I think, like, you can kind of tell that, like, he was not a happy guy from a lot of those Atomic Rooster lyrics. Oh, yeah. That's probably why he's on here. Mm. And, okay, then there's another song from Mob Rules by Black Sabbath... Again, an album that I'm not that familiar with, so whatever. It's called Falling Off the Edge of the World. Hmm. Um, and then there's Suicide by Dust. That's another really like old heavy metal song. Do you know that one? Mm, I don't think so. Yeah, Dust was like, and arguably not really heavy metal, I think, like more hard rock. Um, Marky Ramone was their drummer. Oh, wow. Before, yeah. And number 10, Black Sabbath again. This one I do know. Solitude by Black Sabbath. Oh, yeah. yeah I know that that's, one. That's a sad song. Yeah. <sighs> I covered that song a few times. Oh, did you? Yeah. Um, in like, uh, I guess like 2017, 2018, 2019, I recorded um, 
a bunch of cover songs, just mostly just for my own amusement, and that was one of them. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I just, they were all songs that, like, I never learned how to, like, play them properly or anything. I just kind of came up with my own, like, crappy little version of it and just sang my heart out. <laughs> um, let's see. <sighs> what else can we look at here? So let's go, let's do one more for now. Um, because we're we've been going for a good while now, and that way you can talk about the uh, other stuff you wanted to talk about. But uh, we can always always bring this book back. I'm sure there's plenty of other stuff we can talk about in there. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really enjoying this. I'm enjoying these lists and everything. It's fun to talk about them. Yeah. Uh, let's see. They have a timeline showing the memorable moments in heavy metal history. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, and um, I don't know, it's mostly just like album releases and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I might have to get my own copy of this book. Yeah, it's uh, it's like I just got it used on Amazon. Like I was saying, like the spine is busted, which is funny because like the spine was busted in the one that was at Barnes and Noble too. <laughs> so which makes me think there's like probably like a a design flaw in this book. Yeah, maybe. Need that always be like the first thing to go. Mm-hmm. Um, how about top 10 greatest heavy metal bassists? Oh, yeah, let's do that one. All right, number one is Getty Lee. Yeah, 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 of course it would be. Yeah, and also Neil Pert is number one on the on the drummers list. Mm-hmm. So, <sighs> big Rush fan, this guy. Um, number two, Steve Harris from Iron Maiden. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah. Um, I was like focusing on his parts when I was listening to Seventh Son of the Seventh Son. Number three, Geezer Butler, Black Sabbath. Oh, I love Geezer. He was a huge influence on my own playing. Yeah. He just uh, he just has some cool sounds. Just amazing. Yeah, and um he does a lot of um I don't know if I actually know enough about music to explain this concept really, but like I remember my teacher talking about like he uses a lot of for his bass lines mm. it gives it kind of like a cool sound and you can hear it a lot in a lot of those songs but um yeah he was one of the first bass players that i really like kind of gravitated to and like wanted to sound like yeah um and it's usually it's not he didn't play a lot of like overly complicated stuff and a lot of it was just in like the uh the the, the, the pentatonic minor mode but that's like you can just do so much with that. Yeah, and he always had the perfect mood for for every song. Yeah, yeah, he's, um, he's great. Yeah, <sighs> and there's uh, Glenn Hughes from Deep Purple. Oh, yeah, he's good. He's good. Another seventies guy. Then there's this guy Kenny Aronson from Dust again. There's Dust, the mm. proto metal band coming up. I did. I have a CD that has this band's like first and only two albums. And, uh, yeah, I'd say it's, like, just okay. It's not my favorite of all those, like, proto-metal bands. Oh, yeah. And number six is Roger Glover, who was also in Deep Purple. I guess he was the guy who came after. He was either the guy who came after Glenn Hughes or the guy who came before him. I don't know. Hmm. Okay. But played in Deep Purple as well as Rainbow. Ah. Uh. Number seven, John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. 
I remember I've had two bass teachers actually, and I remember the second one said that John Paul Jones was his favorite bass player of all time. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I believe session musician, like before he was in Led Zeppelin, mm. was one of those guys who just kind of could play anything. Right. Knew like all the musical theory stuff. He was also like, um, he did all the keyboards for Led Zeppelin too. Hmm. And it always makes me wonder like how they did that live. Cause this guy would have to cover the yeah. bass parts. Well, maybe Although, they must've had a, like a touring keyboardist or something. Yeah. Or just maybe like the live versions of their songs sounded a little different. Maybe. Maybe it was like a rush situation where like the bass player operated the keyboard with his feet. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's kind of crazy when you think about it. Yeah, it's it's there's no there's no end to uh the talent of, of Getty Lee and the um the coordination. Yeah. <laughs> or that kind of level of musicianship. Number four is uh Scott Reader from Caius, as well as oh, the upset. Caius, that's a that's another band. Um I recently got back into. I like them Hi, pretty good. They're one of the best metal bands of all time. I yeah, think. I would say yeah, definitely. And also, like maybe the best of the uh, stoner metal bands. Yeah, <laughs> them, them, and Sleep are my two favorite of the uh, the stoner metal bands or stoner doom or whatever you want to call it. Mm. That stuff, I got really into that stuff like in high school. Um, and I liked it because it sounded, it was like a continuation of like the Black Sabbath sound. And at the time, I really wanted more stuff that sounded like Black Sabbath because I was so obsessed with Black Sabbath. And I was so pleased to find that there was an entire subgenre of heavy metal um, <laughs> that like did the Sabbath sound. Right. Uh, great. That was a great time to be Lee. Um, then we got um, <laughs> Jean, Jean-Yves Theriol. Very, very old. Very French. Very, very French. He is apparently the bass player from Voivod. Oh, okay. Now, from what I, what I remember of listening to Voivod, I, I couldn't hear the bass too well. I thought, yeah, I thought it was a little. I thought the recording sounded a little tinny, in fact. Mm. But I bet with like a good pair of headphones, <sighs> I could examine those bass lines. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily stand out, so yeah, yeah. But it might be, it might like seeing them live might be a different, a different case. Yeah, which I'm sure this guy probably has. Then mm. uh, at number ten is Danny Lilker from Anthrax. Ooh, nice. Yeah, Anthrax rules. Um, <laughs> I've been getting a lot more into Anthrax like yeah. in these past, like starting in like maybe 2020, like late 2020 is when I got. Um, the persistence of time album oh, i found great album yeah and after Speaking that I, bass parts yeah um and after that i got like like all their 80s albums basically starting with fistful of metal oh yeah fistful of metal is a great one my favorite of theirs has always been among the living yeah um that one i actually got that one like in 2019 or i borrowed it from a library mm. and ripped it up so that was the first one i heard and yeah that's kind of like the culmination of their talents in the eighties. Yeah. Um, and I also really like, um, it's like sense of euphoria or something, or just euphoria. Yes. Yep. About euphoria. That one I'd say is like pretty much on equal footing with, uh, among the living. Yeah. That's some good uh, stuff. Yeah. And I've heard that like the, uh, 
their newer albums from like uh, like the last like 10 or 15 years the ones that they've released since reuniting with their original singer i've heard those are like pretty good um, but i have yeah i haven't heard all of it but what i've heard of it is pretty good yeah so i got to i got to get those um, and that Danny Lilker guy, it says, was also in the band Nuclear Assault and the oh, band oh, yes. FOD. <laughs> yeah, interesting. <laughs> All right. So um, that'll do. I guess we'll do. We'll stop there for now for that because we're doing good. We had some good stuff. And like yeah. I said, definitely bring that book back. Um, okay. And we can talk. You know, we can talk. Maybe, maybe next time I'll have my own copy and we can just go through it together. Um, yeah, that'd be great. But yeah, I definitely want to. I definitely want to delve into that a little more so that'll be good um so but you had uh you had some thoughts on uh, a couple of the albums i recommended that you yeah to talk about before i talk about that though i have to because i forgot um at the end of the last episode what was the album you recommended because i forgot and i, I still i still want to listen to it i don't remember i remember i said cop shoot cop and oh yeah and i don't remember what I don't remember what you said. I'm sorry. I don't remember either. I have to listen to it. Yeah, I'll 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 see if I can listen to just like that part and and I'll let you know. I okay. completely forgot. Well, anyway, anyway, so I did. I um I got uh stressed by Stompbox on CD. Um, and it was interesting because like on Amazon it was like over thirty bucks just to buy like this U D nineteen ninety four, but then I went on Discogs and I got it for like. Like like an eighth of that price or something. Nice. It was a few, and um, and shipping of course. I gotta, um, yeah, I gotta say, as much as I love the album, I would not recommend paying thirty bucks for it. Yeah, because it was on a major label. It looked like I forget what label it is now, but it was like something like Epic or Columbia, or like one of those big labels. Yeah. Like this was this was a band with like a major record deal who right. just like broke up. You said, mm-hmm. yeah, the uh, they broke up the uh, I guess. From what I've heard, the singer was kind of, you know, a real jerk. So, oh, he had, um, he had LSD, lead singer disorder. <laughs> Very much so, from what I understand. I mean, I don't know personally, but that's that's the uh, the word. That's what they say about the guy from um, Live too. I can totally see that. Yeah. Yeah, like he's like at war with the rest of the band. Yeah. Um, I think that was the case with, uh, Queensryche as well. Yeah. yeah well, now there's like, it's something like there's two Queensryches now, right? Yes. That, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. of that. At that point, it's like, come on guys. I know, right? <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Um, but yes, that album, Stompbox, Stress. I thought it was great. And I thought it was like very, very, very re-listenable. You know, as soon as I was yes. done with. Like yeah, I could listen. I could I could listen to that again right now. Like it's good. Oh, good. I'm glad. Never got bored throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I guess. I guess I'd classify it as like uh, like like alternative metal, maybe. Uh, yeah, I would say that probably. Yeah. Yeah, because it sounds. I mean, there was a couple bands that it reminded me of. Um, but now I can't remember what I was thinking. Um. But it was also okay. It was also. Um, I thought it was kind of grungy as well. Like there was little, like that. Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, I could see some grunge in there. Um, and like the riffs, I thought kind of reminded me of uh, of Tool. Mm-hmm. Those like it's all like that that solid drop D, right? Those drop D riffs. Yeah, and uh, uh, 
the singer, um, the singer, he definitely is um, interesting. He had a voice that I thought sounded kind of familiar too, but again, I couldn't quite like place it. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was he had more of like um, like a metal voice. He sounded kind of like the guy from um, Black Label Society. I thought. Oh right, yeah, yeah, I could uh, see that. Yeah, but I liked, I liked, I liked these guys better than Black Label Society. Yeah. Okay, um, but I'm that's now I definitely I'm going to listen to a lot more times, I think. Excellent. So I'm glad you did me that album. Yeah. It, like, it's, you know, it's it, I would have loved to have seen what they could have done if they had stayed together and everything. But just one of those things. But that one album is just really good. It's the same deal with um, the Sex Pistols. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well. One, one and done. One and done. They could not. They could not survive. They were too unstable. Yeah. And then, okay, so I also listened to um, River Runs Red by Life of Agony. Oh, yeah. And that one was also quite good. Mm. Uh, uh, I thought that singer um, kind of reminded me of the guy from Fear Factory. Would you oh. call that like like a, like a baritone or more like a bass? That style. I don't, I don't know about like vocal singing science or whatever to know that's a good but, question yeah she had a very like really rich voice yeah, I yeah. Felt. yeah. and it, it like like musically i thought they were actually pretty similar to stomp box like those kind of like alt mm. metal like sometimes fast sometimes slow sometimes groovy those like those those riffs yep uh, <clears throat> but the the vocals kind of gave it more of like almost like a like a goth feel i felt no, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or even like, yeah, like I was saying, Fear Factory, or maybe, I don't think her voice is, is quite as low as Peter Steele's from Typo Negative, but like, mm. kind of had that mood. Right. Um, I felt, just, but yeah, I really liked like all those songs. Um, maybe not quite as much as Stomp Box still, but still like really good. Um, I wasn't a fan of like the actual like uh, the story, of the album of the, uh, the 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 suicidal teenage. Yeah, the interludes and stuff. I don't really love, but um, I usually skip over them. Yeah, I got like I got like through the album pretty much. Like I listened to those first, whatever Monday and Thursday, those interludes, mm-hmm. um, and then it got to the last one, and I remember looking at it, and it's like, wow, this is going to be three and a half minutes long of like basically a radio play. Yeah. I don't know if I want to listen to this. No, I don't blame you at all. (laughs) That one. And like, I remember like, as it was beginning, it was like, this guy's talking about like, like someone like cutting themselves. Like, Oh yeah, she was, she needed a reminder that she was alive. So she wanted to see herself bleed and she cut herself and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to listen to something else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, the music is, I love the music on that album, but yeah, all that part, all those interludes and everything, I usually skip over those. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely, it doesn't take away from the music at all, you know, especially yeah. in the era of, like, CDs and, like, uh, playlists and stuff, you can just skip it. Yeah. Although, don't they say, like, if you have, like, Pandora or Spotify or something, they, like, they only let you skip a certain amount of songs or some something like that. Yeah, I think so. Yes, I know Pandora does that. Yeah, that's 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 annoying. That's a, <laughs> right there. That's consumer oppression. Yep. <sighs> <sighs> um. But yeah. So 
I would also recommend trying their their next album after that, Ugly. That was a great album as well. And that one didn't have any of the interludes or anything. Yeah, I think I will. I've been actually, I've been buying less albums recently. Mostly just A, like trying to save money. And B, just trying to go back on all the stuff that I've bought in the last couple of years. And like... Give it, give it a listen. <laughs> yeah. And or if if not a listen that I've never given it before, like more listens, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, it's just like there's just it's it's so it's such a nice feeling finding new music though you know so that's why kind of addicted to it but i like the system we have going now where we uh we recommend each other stuff yeah i do too um i've been checking out the stuff you recommended it's pretty there's some good stuff there that i like how did you like cop shoot cop that was interesting (laughs) that one i liked it was it was uh the it was the album release that I told you to listen to, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, that one I got that one and I think pretty recently like in 2020 or 2021, but that became one of my most listened to albums of like the last couple of years. Yeah. So many just like really good memorable songs and like yeah, resting sounds. Um that band I think um I thought I heard somewhere that they like don't have a guitarist or something oh wow like they have two bass players like the singer plays bass and then there's a bass player who just plays bass Hmm. like there's a guy with like a noise machine basically like that's that's kind of why i considered them sort of industrial like they use non-musical sounds to um like provide like like rhythm parts for the songs (sighs) but yep I'm glad you listened to that album, and I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, yeah, I did. It's good stuff. Uh, all right, so uh, we're getting near the end of the episode here. So let's. Uh, do you have anything to recommend this week? Well, I'm sure. I'm sure. I. I'm sure I do and did. But now, of course, my mind's drawing a blank. <laughs> I know, right? Um, I guess because I was I was listening to it just before. Um, like I logged on to Skype, I'll just kind of re-recommend an album that I mentioned in passing last episode. Um, called the album is called Black Madonna, hmm. and the band is called The Austerity Program. Um, they're, they're a band mostly from like the two thousands. Who, um, well, they released their first EP in like two thousand two. Then they released an album, Black Madonna, in like 2007. Then they released another EP in 2010. Then another album in 2014. And then one more EP in like 2019. They don't have a huge discography. Um, They kind of work slow. Um, But uh, the album Black Madonna is um, just a really like good, like uh, gnarly, spiky, noisy like kind of like half heavy metal half noise rock kind of album um cool you like right yeah yeah um like godflesh they've got like a, a bass player a guitarist and a drum machine um and they have to spend probably hours programming this drum machine to do all the stuff that they have it do <laughs> throughout the songs because like the songs can get pretty long like whatever like 7 8 minutes and it's just like uh, uh the riffs are just so, so good that it's got, cause I consider it like industrial metal. Cause it's got like a lot of the riffs have, they do the, the chugging thing that metal bands do. Oh yeah. 
I feel like that's one of like the most telltale signs of like if you're trying to decide if something's a metal song or not. If they have the guitars that go, you know, chug, 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 a chug, chug. Even if like maybe those musicians don't consider themselves metal, they are at the very least partially metal. Yeah, right. So anyway, I'd, I want to recommend that album, um, especially the last song on that album, um, which is just called Song 16. Um, and that song is just a little under 15 minutes. And it's like, uh, it's like this, it's, it feels like an epic, like a really noisy, like white knuckle, a lot of, lot of like tension and anxiety possibly, but also just because the riffs are so powerful also has that element of like head banging and catharsis that like all the best metal songs do. Yes. Cool. The vocals are not like what I'd call metal vocals, though. The vocals are closer to like something you'd hear like a punk rock singer do. Um, Interesting. The guy sounds like he sounds like he sounds like he's having some kind of like hysterical episode. It's a little hard to describe. <laughs> the word hysterical, <laughs> when I try to think of how to describe this guy's style. So, yeah, that's my recommendation. Black Madonna by the Austerity Program. Excellent. Uh, I'll have to check that one out. Um, so I'm going to recommend a band that I am only just recently discovered, and they're called Black Rainbows, and uh, they're kind of um, they're kind of a, a Sabbathy doom metal kind of thing. Um, yeah, down with that. I just recently discovered them, like I said, so I don't really fully know all their stuff, but I'm getting into it, and uh, they were pretty interesting. Um, the album I heard was called Pandemonium. Black Rainbows, and they're like like a like newer band, like last ten years kind of thing. Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, it looks like I didn't realize this. I'm gonna have to download it, but they just put out an album. Oh last wow! Last year, so I don't. That's, I haven't heard it yet, so I can't recommend it. But let's but see yeah. if they're band camp. Black Rainbows. They were uh, they were surprising. They were pretty good. Let's see. Okay, here they are. They have a lot of albums on Bandcamp, mm. but a lot of it is like, well, this might just be repress. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to have to take some more time and look at this because it seems like they have a pretty big discography. Yeah, I'm looking at, th- at that too, and I didn't realize they had that much. <laughs> the, the Italian Psych Fuzz Trio, Black Rainbows, sound like the bastard offspring of 70s hard rock swagger and 90s stoner groove <laughs> black sabbath mc5 and led zeppelin fuse with liberal punches of nebula and fu manchu oh fu manchu nice. yeah they're good um the band have released well, here, it says three full-length albums coupled with s- split releases with bands such as white hills nam and the recently highly acclaimed Holy Moon EP. I think they got a, like a like a lot of live stuff on here too. Oh yeah, that would explain it. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely check out that new album. Yeah, so there we go. Some good All right. stuff. Good stuff to check out. Yeah. So you want to wrap it up? Yeah, we'll wrap it up here. Um, I think this was a great episode. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, anything you wanted to uh, mention before we sign off? Um, no, I don't think so. I think I talked about everything that I wanted to talk about. Excellent. Well, in that case, um, uh, we want to thank you guys, everybody, for listening. We really do appreciate it. And thank you, Lee, for joining me tonight. 
uh, <laughs> this is great. And uh, I still don't have a proper sign off, so. <laughs> over, over and out. Over, over and, out. and out. Keep on rocking. <laughs> Good night, <Hey>. everybody. <laughs>